Hello, welcome to the Research and Innovation Podcast. I'm Dr. Alessandro Biraglia, an Associate Professor of Marketing at Leeds University Business School. And hello from me, my name is Dr. Bill Davetas. I'm also an Associate Professor of Marketing at Leeds University Business School. And today we're going to be discussing increased preference for independent brands, a phenomenon in modern marketplace that we have analyzed in our recent paper with Alessandro. So indie brands, yeah, indie brands are on the rise, Bill. I mean, uh, I don't know if you saw there's um, an article in The Guardian at the beginning of January that said, for example, that uh, the indie bookshops, uh, compared to the decline on uh, other uh, shops in the high street, indie bookshops are at the 10 years high in 2022. We're talking about uh, more than a thousand independent bookshops that opened. And uh, it seems that people are starting uh, going back to Uh, to like these independent brands and when uh, shops or other businesses are not controlled by other corporations, but they're actually independent, they're family-based, or uh, they, they are not controlled or, or little control from uh, from other companies. But I was wondering, you know, this is something that uh, we were wondering, if you remember back in the days when we started on the paper, whether uh, this uh, phenomenon is just like a Western phenomenon, is something in the UK, in the US, you know, in the Western world, in Europe, or is something that consumers appreciate globally. And I think, you know, we uh, w- when we started looking into this, it, it, we found some kind of interesting stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So actually, uh, originally, we went and, and looked at stuff about, you know, how people react towards indie brands and whether this is something that we just see here in the UK or whether this is something that would apply elsewhere as well. So by looking a bit out there, I know here in the UK, we have what we call the British Independent Retailer Association. Uh, so there is a distinct focus on these sort of businesses. But looking at corporate reports elsewhere in the world, we saw that over the last years, there is a huge increase in consumers that do not only appreciate indie products, but, you know, They actively look for them when they go out shopping. And especially during the COVID pandemic, this phenomenon has become more and more pronounced. So when looking at those stats, what one could see is that there are countries like, for instance, the New Zealand or Spain or Western Europe, where you see the demand for indie products is skyrocketing. We're talking numbers here like 70%, 65% of consumers going after those offerings and turning their backs towards, um, you know, other traditional chain-affiliated chain options and, and brands. At the same time, we didn't see such high numbers in other countries, like, for instance, China or India or, you know, countries that we commonly associate with what we call the emerging markets, the emerging business world. So uh, this was one of the areas that uh, we wanted to look for. And the other area that we wanted to pay particular attention to is whether what we see here in the UK, and especially in the cases of bookstores that you mentioned in the beginning, generalizes into other product categories, other industries. What happens in bookstores? Would it also happen, let's say, in fashion? Would it happen in fast-moving consumer goods or other big industries out there? And a common finding while we went through all that is that we observe indie products to be particularly strong in categories like hotels. We see that more and more people abandon chain hotels and they switch to smaller boutique family-owned hotels. We see that a lot in the beauty industry where even the big beauty players are acknowledging that their best threat right now, their, their most important threat, is smaller indie products. We see it also in fashion a lot where, you know, here in Leeds, for instance, you have the corn exchange 
where if you go outside, you see a big label saying shop indie, for instance, and you go inside and you see only those small indie stores. So this created a process of inquiry for us to see, okay, indie's there. Who likes it? Yeah. Where do they like it more? What kind of products do they like it more? So this is where, where we started. So first of all, I guess we all know that indie starts from, from the arts industry. Okay. Yeah, music and cinema. I mean, even Leeds has their independent film festival, which I remember you we were also going back in the days. And uh, it's it's something that comes from the cultural industries. It's very, very important. And then has been established in, in a more kind of business sense, general business sense. Also, I must say, helped by, by big uh, corporations like uh, American Express, for example, in, um, in the US, starting in the US, but also now in, the, in other countries with the uh, the small business saturday so basically after the black friday american express sponsored this activity called the small business saturday independent business saturday in which they they actually ask people after going to black friday and buy from this big conglomerate big corporation to go and shop small in in um, in kind of very uh, independent uh, stores or uh, uh, independent businesses to actually support also also that part of the economy. But th- th- what we, we looked at, and basically it was particularly le- relevant, especially if you look at a global business phenomenon, is, uh, 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 and it's important actually to look at the, at the impact that this type of business can have in big countries like India or China, like you mentioned, because of course these are also the big player in terms of consumer demand, in terms of consumer expense, also because you know there's quite a lot of, of, of customers that there's a big reservoir of customers that this uh, this company can have but yeah it the transition between uh, this uh, arts to the general business of indie is very important and what we look and have identified one of the factors we identify which is common in, in this type of uh, cultural industries and business is the authenticity that an indie business can give to the product they, they sell or the service they provide. Uh, and authenticity, of course, is a blanket term. It has lots of meaning of authenticity, but specifically in the paper that we, we cover, we build, we're looking at craftsmanship. So basically how much an indie business could be perceived to be more authentic in the sense of the, the kind of technique that they use, the kind of uh, effort that they put in, in a product, the kind of quality that they put in a product. So this is particularly relevant because, uh, of course, it's uh, it's also almost like a heuristic. So it's basically kind of a, of a cognitive shortcut. So people believe that uh, uh, indie business could be even higher in quality because they put more effort in what they do or more uh, craftsmanship in what they do. Uh, and another factor was the uh, warmth that an indie business can uh, can provide compared, for example, to a massive superstore. So, for example, if you buy a product which is indie or independent versus like a chain, this could be perceived as probably warmer in terms of uh, the benefits that it gives you. Not warmer in terms of temperature, but warmer in terms of, of the kind of feeling that you feel in terms of uh, this type of stereotype that uh, of, of the indie business. Uh, but we found different results. Uh, we had three studies in different countries, and we found very different results uh, uh, compared to, for example, US versus India or UK versus China, I think. And also in Italy, we did a study in Italy in which we looked at how people that are more in- individualist versus collectivist, I think, in terms of of, of their attitude, uh, resp- reply to indie products, I think. Yeah, so actually, you know, the the easy bit was to expect what we eventually found, that people appreciate indie products, people appreciate indie firms, they are more likely to buy it. And, the you know, the reasons behind that is, as Ali said, 
on the one hand, authenticity, you don't cut corner, corners on quality, you stay true to yourself, to what you produce, you do not compromise your quality for profit, okay? The other one is the warm thing. For instance, I remember a few years back, there was a paper from some colleagues that found that, let's say, uh, products that are being made by hand are seen as being transferring the love of the producers to the consumers that eventually buy and use the product. So this was the the first step. But then we thought, is this the same everywhere? And is this the same for every product? And here we consider two big factors, let's say. One of them was the type of the product. Is it that consumers would prefer independent brands in every category or not? And one big distinction in marketing is this distinction between what we call in in literature utilitarian products, so products that you buy to solve a problem, to, uh, you know, have some practical value for yourself, like, for instance, a detergent or a screwdriver, versus the products which we call hedonic. So products that offer you some sort of experiential value, um, pleasure, fun, and the opportunity to self-express yourself. Okay, so our prediction and what we eventually found in the paper is that people particularly appreciate indie products in hedonic categories. So in categories which help them get experiential value to feel better and sometimes to even communicate who they are or who they want others to believe they are through their... For example, a cosmetic. Exactly. So cosmetics, fashion, services, and even food categories like, for instance, chocolate. Okay. Now, the other important aspect was the culture. So on the one hand, we have what we call individualistic cultures, like cultures that prioritize the individual over the collective, over the group, and like UK, US, Western Europe, and collectivist cultures, cultures like China or India, for which the group norms uh, are more important than the individual needs and desires. And what we eventually found there is that the indie phenomenon is particularly strong and valued in individualistic cultures. And the main reason for that is because this idea of control, that you're not controlled by somebody else, is perceived differently by those different types of cultures. Individualist cultures see control as a limit to expression and authenticity. They see it as a killer of authenticity, essentially. While for collectivist cultures, Control is seen as more good, is noble. It offers protection, care, it gives guidance. So this possibly explains why in individualist cultures and countries, people tend to appreciate indie brands more. Yeah, especially you can see this as an emerging factor for big corporation in collectivist countries. Because you know, I remember even when once I asked some people in Indonesia, when I was visiting Indonesia, we were doing this, this data collection, would you prefer an independent brand of a certain kind of product category or like a chain and or big big corporation they will reply big corporation because of course I, i'm kind of more safer in buying this product as well they uh, like you said you know they they feel, they feel more protected by this kind of uh, uh, big conglomerate i think though it, this is as like quite a lot of of implications uh, um, and this is something that we put in the paper because of course it's something that uh, uh, once we, we tell companies, okay, be Indian, some companies that are not founded as Indian, like are, are control, what would they do? Uh, but also this gives us a, quite a good opportunity as marketeers to suggest uh, some recommendation for managers in different type of brands or, or if they operate in different cultures, which, which is something that uh, I think if you want, uh, uh, there, there's like a beautiful table or like graph at the end of the paper that uh, summarizes this uh, very, very well. 
uh, and he, I think it's a, a quite actionable uh, managerial recommendation. And if I remember correctly, Bill, we basically uh, have a two-by-two two table in which we basically say, if you are in this quadrant, yeah. you should do this. In the other quadrant, you should do that. In which situation you're operating, which category you're operating. Essentially, what what is the main takeaway, I mean, for practitioners and managers, is that if you are a multinational corporation, and this is how multinational corporations grow across different markets, they usually go and buy out smaller independent players, okay? Obviously, this has been their main motivation for years, but what is important to keep in mind is that they should not expect that all the benefits that people associate with an indie brand will continue to pass on to a brand they own, especially if consumers end up knowing that the brand is not independent anymore, okay? And actually, a very, very interesting finding, which you know we revealed in our last study in that paper, was the fact that it doesn't only matter whether you acquire an independent brand, but it, it matters a lot who acquires it at the end of the day. Yes. So what we found is that doing a study in Italy uh, was that if the independent firm that is being owned is being acquired by a local organization, a local conglomerate, then they can still enjoy the benefits of independence, as we reported throughout the paper. However, if the independent brand is being owned or acquired by a global corporation, all the benefits disappear. Mostly, those people would associate that being owned by global corporations you know, will end up make the indie product standardized, not special anymore. It will compromise on quality, so it's not going to have the appeal um, or this craftsmanship aura that it have had up until now. So managing that, the process of acquisitions, especially when those involve independent brands, is a critical process for multinationals and it will not necessarily lead to the benefits that they might originally envision when deciding on that move. So basically, what a, a word of warning for uh, acquirer is that they might endanger the asset, the major asset they acquire, which is actually the brand. And I, also, I, I think like a good warning to the to the company that wants to get acquired, for example, wants to to basically sell to another company, is at this point choose your partners very well, because you know, for example, as you said, you know, in the Italian case, you can sell to another Italian company and stay in the same kind of local environment versus instead of a, a multinational company. But I think, you know, like it's, uh, it's a promising area of research. You know, it's something that here in the marketing department, we work quite a lot with brands and acquisitions, multinational corporations. But uh, if you'd like to find out more about our research, there are links on our papers on this topic in the episode show notes. Uh, it's something that, you know, like it's an exciting thing, an exciting project that we, we carried out in the last uh, few years. It's something that was actually very satisfying to work together. And uh, that's uh, all from us at the moment. Uh, thank you for listening and bye for now and see you later. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.